Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, everyone. Praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord some praise today. Hallelujah. 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 For the Lord is worthy to be praised. Amen. 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 Uh, let's bow our heads today. Dear Heavenly Father, we give you the praise, honor, and glory. We ask you, Almighty God, to go before us today in this word. Lead us and guide us and help us to understand all that's before us. We thank you, Almighty God, for all that you do in our lives. And we thank you, Lord, for this word today. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Yeshua Mashiach. Amen. Amen. Let's take a few seconds and give God glory. Let's honor him with our voices. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Lord, we praise your holy name. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Lord, we praise your holy name. Lord, we praise you, Almighty God. Lord, we praise you, Most Holy One. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Lord, we praise your name. Lord, we praise you, Almighty God. Lord, we praise you. Most Holy One. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Lord, we praise your holy name. Amen. Amen, everyone. Father, we praise your holy name. Glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. All right, everyone. Today we're going to be reading from 2 Corinthians. That's the book of Corinthians, the second book, and chapter 7. Okay, yesterday we left off at Paul's hardships. Now, just like Paul, we all went through hardships even now. And so we're going to continue. Uh, we're going into Paul's joy. All right. Since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates the body, the spirit, protecting holiness out of reverence for God. Amen. Amen. Let's keep God pure, right? In all things, always, and what we say. 
Make room for us in your hearts. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have exploited no one. I do not say this in to condemn you. I have said before that you have such a place in our hearts that we would live or die with you. I have great confidence in you, and I take great pride in you. I am greatly encouraged in all of our troubles. My joy knows no bounds. Okay, now remember now, these were letters that Paul wrote to the church of Corinth. All right? These aren't exactly the words that the Lord spoke, but he spoke through Paul and others, okay? And as we read these, we to take note. Just like Paul was saying to them, take note of yourself, check yourselves, make sure you're lined up right, okay? If you're not, we can all stand some correction. So as I'm reading this, think about it. Think about yourselves. Think about your lives, where you're going, okay? For when we came into Macedonia, this body of ours had no rest, but we were, har we were harassed at every turn, conflicts on the outside, fears within. Okay, that sounds like many of us today, <laughs> but... God, who confronts and downcasts, confronted us by the coming of Titus, and not only by his coming, but also by the comfort you have given him. He told us about your longing for me, your deep sorrow, your ardent concerns for me. So that my joy was greater than ever. But if I cause you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, I see that my letter hurts you, but only for a little while. Yet now I am happy. Now, because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repent, okay? For you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not ashamed. Uh, I'm sorry. So was not harmed in any way by us. Okay. So basically, they were condemned by God through His letter. And see, that happens sometimes. Somebody will say something to you. Uh, you'll hear something, you'll see something on television, uh, you'll be speaking to people, and all of a sudden, could be minute, something very small, but it condemns you about something you did or something you said or the way you acted. And right away, you know, you're like, you get offended at first. Sometimes, sometimes you don't, sometimes you get really hurt. But then after a while, after it marinates in your mind, in your body, you realize, you know, this was a lesson to be learned, okay? So this is pretty much what Paul is saying here. 
Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regrets. But worldly sorrow brings death. Amen. <laughs> Absolutely. See what this godly sorrow has produced in you. What eagerness, what earnestness to clear yourself. What indignation, what alarm, what longing, what concern, and what readiness to see justice done. At every point, you have proven yourself to be innocent in this manner. Mm. Okay. So even though I wrote to you, it was not on the account of the one who did the wrong or of the injured party, but rather that before God, you could see for yourself how devoted to us you are. By all this, we are encouraged. In addition to our own encouragement, we were especially delighted to see how happy Titus was because his spirit has been refreshed by all of you. I have boasted to him about you and you have not embarrassed me, but just as everything we said to you was true. So our boasting about you to Titus has proven to be true as well. And his affection for you is all the greater when he remembers that you were all obedient, receiving him with fear and trembling. I am glad I have had complete confidence in you. Okay, uh, we're now going into chapter 8. Paul defends the collection, generously encouraged. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trials, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty well, welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond this ability entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. So we urged Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also a, I'm going to back up a little bit. Um, hmm. Let's go back to five. And they did not do as we expected. 
but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. So we urged Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. Okay. But just as you excel in everything, in health, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Okay, we don't even have to get into that. Uh, we all know that we are supposed to give of ourselves. Again, I say this all the time because people get it mixed up. He's not just talking monetary. He is speaking of whatever way that you can. Okay? Uh, and I'll leave that be right there. I don't want to get into that again. <laughs> uh, we could be here all day talking about it. I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that through, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty, might become rich. <laughs> now, he's not talking money. <laughs> no, he's talking about rich in knowledge, in wisdom. Mm. And here is my advice about what is best for you in this manner. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now, finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. If for if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has. Say it again. <laughs> I'm so glad Paul said that. <laughs> Let me read that again. Because this is important. Because people, um, they have a tendency to think that they are supposed to Give a certain amount. There is no amount. There's no specific amount. It's what you can give, what is in your heart to give. What sometimes what the Lord will tell you to give. And it doesn't matter what it is. It could be money. It could be food. It could be time. Okay. But let's just repeat this again. <laughs> For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. 
Do not give what you don't have. This is why people end up in bad straits and they have problems. I hear people say this all the time. I gave X amount of this and that, and now I don't have none for myself. Why? Did you hear to give that? Huh? No. <laughs> Look, you have to use common sense, okay? If I've got three apples to eat for the next four days, okay? And I want to give my neighbor something to eat because they don't have anything. What would be the best thing to do? Now think about that. And then you guys can write in and give me the answer because I want to see. <laughs> he said, only give what you can. Let me read that again. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has. If I'm willing to give to you, that means I've, I've already figured out what I'm going to do in this situation. Okay? It's not, oh, well, I, I give this, I'm expecting something to come out of nowhere. That doesn't happen all the time. Sometimes it happens, but it does not happen all the time. Sometimes you find yourself in a situation where you're suffering because you gave what you shouldn't have given. Okay? So, again, for if the for if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard pressed. See? But that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. Okay? I used this quite a while ago, but I had a pantry in my house. And I'm not no rich person or nothing, but I had an overflow from several different sources, I had food coming in and I had food in my pantry. And when some of the congregation that I was in or people who lived in the area fell short, they didn't have it at the time, their money was short, problems were going on in their life, I would tell them, come over, come over and fill a bag or two, depending on how many people were in the family. I, I had one woman who had something like four or five kids and she left out my house with about four or five bags. That's when you're able to give, when you have an overflow yourself that you can give. Not when you don't, you're, you're, you're suffering yourself. I mean, you're hand to mouth 
trying to feed yourself. No, you can't. Okay. What you can do is pray and ask the Lord to fill your cabinets and let your cabinets overflow so that you can do that. Amen. Amen. Okay. Um, at the present time, your plenty will supply what they need so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. Then there will be equality, as it is written. He who gathers much did not have too much, and he who gathers little did not have too little. Titus sent to Corinth. I thank God who put into the head of Titus the same concern I have for you. But Titus not only welcomes our appeal, but he's coming to you with much enthusiasm and on his own initiative. And we are sending along with him the brother who is praised by all the churches for his service to the gospel. What is more, he was chosen by the church to accompany us as we carry the offerings which we administer in order to honor the Lord himself and to show our eagerness to help. We want to avoid any criticism of the way we administer this uh, liberal gift, for we are taking pains to do what is right, and not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of men. In addition, we are sending with them our brother who has often proven to us in many ways that he is zealous and now even more so because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker among you as for our, for our brothers. And they are representatives of the church and an honor to Christ. Therefore, show these men the proof of your love and the reason for our pride in you so that the church can see it. Chapter 9. There is no need for me to write to you about this service to the saints, for I know your eagerness to help and I have been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year, you and Arcadia were ready to give and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. But I am sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow, but that you may be ready, as I said, and would be. Okay, bear with me a second. We have a call. And... Uh, we're not going to answer it, but 
we're going to let it spring through. Okay. Uh, but I am sending the brothers in order that are boasting about you. And this matter should not prove hollow, but that you may be ready, as I said you would be. For if any Macedonian comes with me and finds you unprepared, we, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed of having been so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you had promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift not as one grudgingly given. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows graciously will also reap graciously. Each man should give what he has, uh, what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Okay, again, he's spelling it out for you, okay? When he says whoever, uh, reap, whoever sows sparingly reaps sparingly, whoever uh, sows generously will reap generously, I want to explain something to you because a lot of you miss out. Um, you remember the widow that gave her last mite? She gave generously. She gave all she had. Meanwhile, you had the rich man in the room who gave not even 5% of what he had. Even if he gave 10%, it wouldn't be what she gave because she gave what she had. She had nothing else. So when she went home, she had no money at all. And when you give like that, that's what he means by graciously. Now, some people tell you, oh, well, give, give to it hurts. No, because <laughs> when you do that, okay, you're doing just what I said a few minutes ago. You're giving out what you don't have to give and then you yourself run into hardship so no but the woman who gave what she had let's say it was 10 cents and she gave that okay you can be sure that the lord blessed her a hundred times that 10. Okay. Now, I'm going to give you a little instance. I'm going to use myself in this example. This was many years ago. We were trying to get uh, some things done in a new church we had just moved into. Uh, we were trying to get the ceilings and the floors done and, you know, actually make it into a church. Uh And we still were making payments on the church, too, at the time, I think. Anyway, uh, that particular Sunday, um, the minister had asked everyone uh, to 
try and give, I think it was a thousand dollars to the church to uh, pay up the bills and get the other things that we needed. Now, he didn't say, um, I expect everybody to give a thousand dollars. No, he said, if you can, And so I earnestly wanted to, even though I really could not afford to. But then I said to the Lord, I was standing and I said, Father, I'd really like to give a thousand dollar check to the church, but you know, I don't have it. And the Lord brought it to my mind. He said, you do have it. Your income tax is coming in. You do have it. And it was, it was coming in the next day. It was coming in the next day. That that was Sunday, it was coming in on Monday. And he said, you do have it. Um, and I said, but that money was supposed to go towards something in my household. So for a few minutes, I weighed literally waited in my mind, should I or shouldn't I, should I or shouldn't I? And finally, with trembling hands, because I was really fearful, I wrote the check for $1,000. And as my minister was coming down the aisle, I stuck the $1,000 in his pocket. And when he got to the pulpit, and he finished talking, the Lord, the Lord spoke to him and told him to look in his pocket, which he did. And as he pulled out the check, he was still talking to the congregation. And he said, oh my God, the widow's might. She is given the widow's might. And as he said that, He called out my name and said to the congregation, if she can give, I hope that this moves others to give. And immediately, people began to get up out their seats and go to the front, writing checks pulling money out their pockets and putting it into the basket or laying it on the stage. That shows you how God uses you to get others to go ahead and do the same. Others who have it, but they themselves is holding back. It only took me, a person that they knew didn't have it, to change minds and hearts and to move others to come forward. Okay? So that was an end, that was just an example to show you what they were speaking of uh, here in the scriptures. Um, And I have to say, uh, 
right after the service, and I was not expecting this, but right after the service, uh, I had a room I had been trying to rent out in the house that I was in. And one of the sisters in the church, her mother was moving, uh, wanted to move closer to the church in the congregation. She lived further out and she wanted to rent the room. And so she left with me after service, went over to the house uh, and purchased the apartment that was, uh, the room, excuse me, that was up for rent uh, and paid me over the amount <laughs> that I had given in the check <laughs> to the pastor, the minister. Um, so God blessed right away. The seed that I had sown came to harvest right away, very quickly. Now, I won't say it always happens that way, but I just wanted to use an example to show you exactly what can happen when we do do these things. Sowing generously, okay? You will reap generously. <laughs> and if you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly, okay? All right. Um, 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge in the harvest of your righteous, righteousness. Uh, you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his in describable gift. Chapter 10. Uh, Paul defends his authority. By the meekness and, and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you, I, Paul, who am timid, when face to face with you, but bold when away. I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be towards some people who think that we live by the standards of this world. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to diminish strongholds. 
We diminish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. You are looking only on the surface of things. If anyone is confident that he belongs to Christ, he should consider again that we belong to Christ just as much as he. For even if I boast somewhat freely about the authority the Lord gave us for building up, uh, building you up rather than pulling you down, I will not be ashamed of it. I do not want to seem to be trying to frighten you with my letters. For some say his letters are weighty and forceful, but in person he is unimpressive and his speaking amounts to nothing. Such people should realize that what we are in our letters when we are absent we will be in our actions when we are present. <laughs> because you're writing from the heart, okay? <laughs> we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who, com who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. We, however, will not boast beyond proper limits, but will confine our boasting to the field of God has assigned to us. A field that reaches even to you. We are not going too far in our boasting as would be the case if we had not come to you, for we did it. So we did get as far as you with the gospel of Christ, okay? We are not going too far in our boasting, as would be the case if we had not come to you. For we did get as far as you with the gospel of Christ, okay? All right, let's move on. Neither do we go beyond our limits by boasting of work done by others. Our hope is that as your faith continues to grow, our area of activity among you will greatly expand so that we can preach the gospel in regions beyond you Okay, so if you go into an area basically that doesn't know your gospel, you know, you're starting from the very beginning, fresh, new. Uh, people don't know you, don't know the gospel that you're preaching. 
and it's it's rough it's like you know uh, taking a pick on to a rock and breaking that rock up okay so it's the same thing with them they have a lot of work to do in order to fertilize the ground so that when they come back the next time they don't go through as much as they going through this time okay and with that, the people begin to talk amongst themselves and they spread the word and they can testify. Then the word expands and people begin to know the word of God. Okay. And that's what he's basically saying here. Okay. Uh, For we do not want to boast about work already done in another man's uh, in another man's uh, territory, but let him who boasts boast in the Lord, for it is not the one who commends him who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. Okay. The war, the one who the Lord says, "Well done, my son. Well done, my daughter." Okay. Uh, I'm just looking to see uh, how much more we have here. Uh, we have. So I think we're going to try to finish this up today and go into Galatians tomorrow. All right. Uh, chapter 11, I hope you will put up with a little of my foolishness, but you are already doing that. I am jealous for you with the godly jealousy. I promise you to one husband, to Christ, so that I must present you as pure virgins to him. But I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent, cunning uh serpents cunning your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to christ okay as is today uh people want to do right they want to believe in god trust god they start doing things accordingly and then they get pulled away by other things, uh, many, many other things, this list of things. For if someone comes to you and preaches uh, Jesus other than Jesus we preach, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received or a different gospel from the one you've accepted, you put up with it easily enough. But I do not think I am in the least inferior to those super apostles. I may not be a trained speaker, but I do have knowledge. We have made this perfectly clear to you in every way. Was it a sin for me to lower myself in order to evaluate you by preaching the gospel of God to you free of charge. I robbed other churches by receiving support from them 
so as to serve you. And when I was with you and needed something, I was not a burden to anyone for the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied uh they supplied what I needed. I have kept myself from being uh from burdening you in any way. Okay? Uh and will continue to do so as surely as the truth of Christ is in me. Nobody in this region of Arcadia will stop this boasting of mine. Why? Because I do not love, because I do not love you. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm reading this wrong, guys. Uh, no one in the region of Arcadia will stop this boasting of mine. Why? Because I do not love you? God knows I do. And I will keep on doing what I am doing in order to cut the ground from under those who want an opportunity to be considered equal with us in the things they boast about. Uh, for such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, uh, masquerading as apostles of Christ. Okay? Um, there were men and women going around saying that they were doing X, Y, and Z, and they were so powerful and glorious, and uh, they weren't teaching the word. They were teaching their own form of the word. Um, at the same time, you know, they were uh, getting paid for it. Uh, they were taking payment for it. Um, so this is what he's basically talking about. And no wonder for Satan himself uh, masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then uh, if his servants masquerade as servants of righteousness, their end will be what their actions deserve. And of course, we know that the Lord speaks of in the latter days, you know, the adversary comes back um, uh, trying to project himself as Christ, uh, as the Christ. And so, and many, many, many people will fall prey to it because here you go, right here. Uh, he's known to be the pretender, the masquerade. I repeat, let no one take me for a fool, but if you do, then receive me just as you would a fool, so that I may do a little boasting. And this self-confident boast, and this self-confident boasting, I am not talking about the Lord would, but as a fool. Since many are boasting in the way of the world does, I too will boast. You gladly put up with the fool's sense. You are so wise. In fact, you even put up with anyone who enslaves you or exploits you 
or takes advantage of you or punishes himself forward or slaps you in the face, to my shame, I admit that we were too weak for that. Mm. Mm -hmm. And do we do that today? Yes, we do. Still, what anyone else dares to boast about, I am speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast about. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more uh, frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes, minute one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea, and I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressures of many concern for all the churches. Who is weak? And I do not feel weak. Who is led into sin? and I do not inwardly burn. I must boast. I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God, the Father of the Lord Jesus, who is to be, prom who is to be praised forever, knows that I am not lying. And Damacus, the governor under King Artis, has the city of uh, has the city of Damascus guarded in order to arrest me, but I was lowered in a basket from a window in the wall and slipped through his hands. Uh, Paul's vision and his thorns, chapter 12. I must go on boasting, although there is nothing to be gained. I will go on to visions and re revelations from the land. I know a man in Christ whose 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven, whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body 
whether in the body or apart from the body. I do not know, but God knows. It was caught up to paradise. He heard inexpressible things, things that men, that man is not permitted to tell. Um, I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weakness. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. To keep me from becoming conceit, conceited because of these, uh, <laughs> because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a message of Satan uh, to torment me. Three times I pledged, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. And that is why, for Christ's sakes, I delight in weakness, in insults and hardship, in persecution and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I have made a fool of myself, but you drove me to it. I ought to have been commended by you, for I am, for I am uh, not in the least inferior to the super, uh, super apostles, even though I am nothing. Uh, the things that mark an apostle's signs, wonders, and miracles were done among you with great perseverance. And how were you uh, inferior to the other churches, except that I was never a burden to you? Uh, forgive me this wrong. Now I am ready to visit you for the third time, and I will not be a burden to you because what I want is not your possessions, but you. After all, children should not have to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. So I will very gladly spend uh, sin for your in everything. I will gladly spin for your everything. I uh, have and expend myself as well. 
If I love you more, will you love me less? Be that as it may, I have not been a burden to you. Yet crafty fellows that I am, the crafty fellow I am, I caught you by trickery. Did I exploit you through any of the men I sent you? I urged Titus to go to you, and I sent our brother with him. Titus did not exploit you, did he? Did we not act in the same, uh, did we not act in the same spirit and follow the same course? Have you been thinking all along that we have been defending ourselves to you? <laughs> we have been speaking in the sight of God as those in church. We have speak <laughs> we have been speaking in the sight of God as those in Christ. <laughs> Sorry guys. as those in Christ and everything we do I'm a little problems with my earphones everything we do dear friends is for your strengthening for I am afraid that when I come I may not find you as I want you to be and you may not find me as you want me to be I fear that there may be quarreling jealousy uh, outburst of anger and factions, slander and gossip, arrogance and disorder. And I am afraid that when I come again, my God will humble me before you and I will be grieved over many who have sinned earlier and have not repented of the impurity, sexual sins and the battery in which they have indulged. 13, chapter 13, final warning. This will be my third visit to you. Every matter must be established by testimony of two or three witnesses. I already gave you a warning when I was with you the second time. I now repeat it while absent. On my return, I will not spare those who sinned earlier or any of the others since you are demanding proof that Christ is speaking through me. He is not weak in dealing with you, but in powerful, but is powerful among you. For to be sure, he was crucified in weakness yet he lives by God's power. Likewise, we are weak in him, yet by God's power, we will live with him to serve you. Amen. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith and test yourselves. Do you not recognize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test, 
And I must that you will discover that we have not failed the test. Now we pray. To, and now we pray to God that you will not do anything wrong. Not that people will see that you have stood the test, but that you will do what is right, even though we may seem to have failed. For we cannot do anything against the truth, but only for the truth. We are glad whenever we are weak, but you are strong and our prayer is for your perfection. This is why I write these things when I am absent, that when I come, I may not have to be harsh in my use of authority, the authority the Lord gave me for hope, for building you up, not for tearing you down. Final greeting. Finally, brothers, goodbye. Aim for perfection. Listen to my appeal and be of one mind. Live in peace and the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints in their greetings. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Amen. Amen, everyone. And that's the end of 2 Corinthians. I hope that uh, in reading this, uh, that it was a blessing to many of you. Uh, you might have had questions. I hope that some of your questions were answered. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Almighty God, for this word that you've given us today. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, for this time with you. Thank you, Father, for all things that you do in our lives. Thank you, Lord for your grace, your mercy, and your love for us. Thank you, Lord. This we pray in Jesus' name. Yeshua Mashiach. Amen. Amen, everyone. Amen. Um, for those of you who are interested, you know, you can uh, write in. Um, we have a line that you can write into. You have any questions? Uh, it's macmillan75 at gmail.com. Or as I've said to many of uh, my listeners, you can uh, look me up on Facebook, uh, Linda, L-I-N-D-A, Macmillan, M-C-M-I-L-L-I-A-N. And uh, just throw me a line if you'd like to join us on our Facebook page. There are many ministers uh deacons and uh etc on the page many believers in god uh if you're interested you can drop me a line and i will hook you up onto our onto my page um or you can just excuse me or you can just uh ask your question and i will answer it 
either on Gmail or on Facebook. Okay? All right, everyone. This is Minister McMillan saying have a blessed evening and good night.